Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. Welcome back to our series, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. We're going to be in Romans chapter 13. So if you want to get your Bibles and turn there, and as you do, uh, that video, graphic, whatever you want to call it, sets up perfectly uh, for um, how I want to start today. Um, Anybody ever got a speeding ticket? Okay. Wow, I have some friends, okay. So uh, let me tell you, what something that happened three or four years ago, I was driving home from Cascade, Idaho on Highway 55, going south, right south of Clear Creek Station, you know where I'm at, you know, before you go down into the canyon, okay? And uh, I got a speeding ticket for going 45 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. You're like, how did you do that? Let me explain. So... Um, I was alone. I forget why I was up in Cascade, but I, I, uh, I was driving back by myself, and they had just tar and chipped the road, okay? Fresh tar, fresh gravel, whatever you want to call it, and they had posted a temporary speed limit of just 35 miles an hour. Now, I had some important things to do, okay? And uh, God's work, you understand. I had to get back and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it was probably, I wanted to get home and fish or something, probably like that. But I was headed home and I came up behind a car and they were being really, really safe. They were going 20 miles an hour, okay? And I understood the spirit of the law. The the spirit of the law was, you know, to our tires wouldn't throw gravel and hit other cars and do damage and probably some safety stuff. But I'm a safe driver and I'm a really good driver. And uh, so I felt that I knew better than those who posted the speed limit. I felt like I could go still abide by the spirit of the law and go around this car and I could go safely at 45 miles an hour. And I did so. I waited till there was a, a, widening, a wide part of the, on the road and I, I, I passed this car and uh, I was going up this hill and there was another uh, white pickup truck that was in front of me and he very kindly got over to let me pass. And I thought, man, that was really nice of him. And then he got back in behind me and turned on his red lights. And uh, Uh, Turns out I was a Valley County Sheriff. And I knew, he's like, you know what the problem is? Yeah, I know what the problem is, okay? I saw the speed limit sign, and he gave me a ticket. Now, um, he followed me all the way from that point in the road all the way down to Banks, okay? I did the math. It was 26 miles, okay? And after the tar and chip uh, repair had, you know, I got to a point in the road where that it was no longer the case and the speed limit went back to 50, I drove 50 exactly for 20-some miles all the way down to Banks. And he followed me the entire way. But, you know, I was frustrated with that ticket because, I don't know, I just was. And I didn't want to pay it. I was like 90 bucks or something. And I was like, maybe they don't need my $90. Maybe I just won't send it, okay? And then I thought about disputing it. Maybe there's some loophole. Like, maybe he like was, you know, it was entrapment of some kind. He like, he pulled over to get me to go fat. No. And so the point is, I delayed in making that payment all the way up to the deadline. 
And I forget what the penalty was for not paying it on time, but it was worse. It was either a higher fine or my license would be in danger or something, I don't remember. But I remember waiting to the point where I no longer had time to just simply mail a check and I tried to pay it online. It was kind of confusing. I was afraid it wouldn't work. I actually had to make a special trip all the way back to Cascade to the courthouse to pay that fine on like the day it was due. And the whole time I was doing that, I was just mad, okay? The whole time I'm writing out the check, I'm just like, you know, and rip it off, you know, here you go, you know. So I was just frustrated. And I think we can all identify with that feeling of frustration or that not so good feeling that accompanies the word we all love to hate, which is the word submission. And that's what we're talking about today. None of us like to submit. In fact, there are things that I plan to do and then like, for example, the trash will be sitting there and I'm like, hmm, I should take out the trash. And then my wife will tell me, Matt, take out the trash. And immediately I don't wanna take out the trash because there's something inside of us that we don't like it when people tell us what to do. And as a kid, it starts with parents, maybe, and then it goes to teachers. And then we have this dream that when we're 18, we'll get out into the real world and we'll be an adult and finally no one will be able to tell us what to do. Now, why did you all laugh? Because we know that's not the case. What we know is, is that we, as we step into adulthood and we step into new arenas, whether it's uh, the, uh, the university we go to, there's professors there that tell us what to do. Then there's a workplace and there's a boss and there's a supervisor and they tell us what to do. And then some of you are like, well, I own my own business. Well, then there's guidelines and laws and all these things that, that guide our actions and hold us to certain things. And we, it's sort of ingrained in us to resist that and we don't like it, but there's something we're called to that I want us to look at in Romans 13 because it, it's important that we as Christians understand what submission looks like and what proper submission looks like to the world. You see, um, there's times in even our Christian walk that when we, and, and maybe, maybe this was a shock to some, maybe, maybe not, but when we even became a Christian, we realized that there's this whole other book with this whole other list of rules, and we're like, okay, now we're supposed to submit to this? Well, what does submission look like? So Romans 13, uh, we're gonna start in verse one, and we're talking about submission to governing authorities, okay? And so let's just read this together, and I'm gonna point out a misconception then a few truths that I think will help us. It says this in verse one, let every person be subject or to submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, let me just remind you that this implies to us very clearly that God is the one who is ultimately in control. All authority is his. And because of that, that, gives that, that should give us a lot of confidence and hope that God is ultimately the one who's in control, amen? So let's move on. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. And when we read that, I get that there's a lot of, we read that with a little bit of angst. We're like, mm. But what if... Okay, we're gonna talk about some of those, okay? But I'll first, before we move on, I wanna point out a misconception about submission. To me, the opposite of submission is the word freedom, okay? And the word freedom sometimes comes with um, some misconceptions that are just not true. For example, and this is in your notes, I think the main misconception with this idea of freedom is this. Freedom is when I have the right and the power to do whatever I want. And this is simply not the case. You see, um, when we're younger, and as we think about freedom, um, and we, we, we strive for freedom, and I already mentioned this, we long for a day when we can do whatever we want. But what happens when people just do whatever they want and they follow their own rules? What happens to the fabric of society? I already mentioned some of the traffic laws that I've violated, okay? What happens when people on the road just do whatever they want? It's chaos. And so what we're not after here, what freedom, true freedom is not just our own personal freedom. We, we're only free when everybody works together. Okay? And one of the reasons why Pastor Keith uh, brought the message last week and from chapter 12, and if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. We was talking about living at peace with all men. And it was talking about forgiveness and showing charity and love and all the attributes that Christians should be marked by. And all those things keep society, uh, it keeps the fabric of society together and strong and unified. But Christ understood, God understood in his sovereignty that not everybody would ascribe to the golden rule, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. He understood that some people would be selfish, vindictive, and flat out evil, okay? And when, those, when people are dishonest in the workplace and dishonest in, in the relationships, that breaks down relationships. It breaks apart the fabric of society that we need to live in unity with each other. And so God and his sovereignty instituted government because he is desiring a community that is for the good of all. And so there needs to be some checks and balances. There needs to be some boundaries for people that go outside of these areas because we need, we want and desire and will thrive in a healthy community and a government with laws and boundaries helps, helps us with that. But here's, here's our uh, kind of response to laws and boundaries, rules. Generally, we have two options on the surface. We can either resist it, and how does that go? If I had not paid the ticket, it would have gotten worse, okay? Or we can submit to it and it's just, we don't like that, it's not fun. 
And so I want to submit to you that there is a third thing that we need to understand. It's not just about submission. It's not just about resisting. Those aren't our two options. I think what will help us if we understand and have a right concept of what freedom really is. And the first truth that you can write down that's in opposition to this misconception, freedom is not just the right and power to do anything I want. Freedom actually comes when it, when, um, it comes with boundaries and laws. Freedom requires boundaries and laws. Again, this is about because we're pursuing the good of all. Now, when it comes to this passage in Romans 13, we can't let it stand alone from other scriptures. And I already mentioned the message that Pastor Keith uh, mentioned last week and brought to us last week. And we're to live in peace with all, Romans 12, 18. But God knew that not everyone would do that, that not everyone would strive for that. And so he instituted rulers, Romans 13, verse three, he instituted rulers who are not a terror for good conduct, but to bad. They're there to curb misbehavior, to to detour misbehavior or things that are universally known to be wrong. Now, um, I went to... Haiti a few years ago, and uh, I was in the city of Port-au-Prince, and we got on a, uh, a truck there, and we were riding that truck through the downtown section of Port-au-Prince, and there were traffic laws, there were signs, I couldn't read them, but they were there, and there were even, I saw a couple of police, and it was just mass chaos. Everybody was doing what Ever they wanted. There were motorcycles going in and out of traffic. People were going down the wrong way. Kids were running through traffic. They jumped on the back of our truck and they were like holding their hands out. We gave them some candy or something. Then they jumped off and jumped on another truck. There were animals in the street. There was just pedestrians. It was crazy. And when I got back home and I began to drive our own highways, I was so thankful for some boundaries and some laws because those things actually allowed us to get where we were going. You could say we were free to get to where we were going. In, in Haiti, it didn't seem like we were free at all. Everybody's doing whatever they wanted, but there was a total lack of freedom. It was chaos. Now, some of you have probably been watching March Madness. Anybody watch the basketball games? Is Duke still in it, I think? Anyways, but can you imagine playing a game like that without boundaries, without rules? In fact, as a youth pastor, um, part of my job, I guess, is to come up with games. You guys want to play a game? Want to play a game? Okay, let's play. Okay, you go first. (laughs) See, even, even... A child's game requires direction. It requires boundaries. It requires purpose. And and when people cheat and break the rules of a simple game, what happens? It's like anarchy, okay? Like, you know, I mean, there's gnashing and wailing of tea. Like, 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 it's just like, I have three little kids and when it's not going fair, when somebody's not playing by the rules, that injustice is brought to the higher authority, their mother. Anyway, so... And see, what I want, but one of the things I want to point out and make very clear is that it says that rulers are not a terror for good conduct, but for evil or bad conduct. Well, the Greek word there used for bad or, if, or that's translated bad or evil is the Greek word kakos. And I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but it's a word that is kind of a catch-all for things that are universally known to be wrong. Things like murder, theft, harm to others. 
There are even like civil laws that were present in this day and age when Paul was writing this that were universally known to be good laws, to be good rules that were there for the safety and the betterment of the community. And people accepted them as good things. And and to break those laws was universally known to be wrong or evil because they obviously were a detriment to society. And so what Paul is not attempting to address in this passage is confusing or debatable issues that sometimes our government and our societies wrestle with. And I wanna make sure that we make a clear distinction between things that are confusing and we're not sure what to do and then we, we know things that are clearly wrong. And there's a moral law that is universal. And they've done studies about this. Even some of the remote parts of the earth, they still understand that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, harm to a child is wrong. Those things are universally accepted as moral code. But there are things that we've wrestled with as a country and as a a nation, as a world over the last couple years. And there's always certain things that are confusing. There's political decisions that are made. There are policies that are made. And sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we do agree. Sometimes we see the benefits. Sometimes we see the detriment. Sometimes it's good for a while and then it becomes bad. Sometimes it's hard at first, then it becomes good. And there's things that we wrestle with that we oftentimes see as confusing and we don't know what to do about it. And what Paul is writing about is not those things. He's writing about what is universally known as wrong. And I'm gonna clarify how we, uh, in a few moments, how we deal with things that come against maybe our Christian conviction in a few moments. But I wanna make sure that we understand that he's not just talking about an opinion or an issue that's not decided. He's talking about universal wrong. And God has instituted authorities and governments to detour evil injurious, wrong behavior. Now, they don't always do it perfectly, and we don't always live perfectly either. And so how do we do this? So uh, we, the second thing we need to understand about freedom is that yes, we need boundaries and laws. It's for the good of society. But we also, as Christians, need to understand that true freedom has a specific location. True freedom has a specific location. And 2 Corinthians tells us as Christians that, that freedom is found where the spirit of the Lord is found. Another way to say this is freedom that we really long for is found when we're with God. It's found when we're in relationship with God. Now, freedom, it's a life that has boundaries. A free life comes with expectations. Freedom comes when we experience a relationship with God. But even our relationship with God requires trust and obedience. Trust and obedience. Remember the old song, trust and obey? There's no other way. God calls us to first trust him and then first to obey him. I'm gonna talk about this maybe a little bit more, but um, we just sang the song, um, Shout to the Lord, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there's no no one like you. I love those lyrics. And we all want Jesus to be our Savior. We all stand in need of a Savior. We've all done wrong and we need his forgiveness and mercy. But the word Lord that comes right after that, we're not always good with the word Lord because that implies authority. And, and, but the reality is he's not just a savior, he is a Lord. And he has a way that he's expected us to live, not because he's insecure, not because he's manipulative, but because his way is better. 
And, you, and if any parent is in the room, you understand this concept. Your kids wake up in the morning, what do you want for breakfast? Ice cream. No. You're gonna have bacon. Okay, no, <laughs> it's not much better, but. As adults, we understand that just being, being a good parent is just not giving into or saying yes to everything that the child wants. It's guiding them and, 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 and giving them expectations that are healthy for them. For example, we, no matter how hard I might try, I can't just decide that I would rather breathe carbon monoxide. You know, I'm sick of oxygen, I'd rather just breathe in some carbon monoxide. Can't do it. My body is not designed to live and to thrive that way. I didn't decide that, God designed it that way. He designed me to, to thrive and live physically in a certain way, I have to breathe certain things. Namely, namely oxygen. But the same is true spiritually. We get it in a physical sense, but the same is true spiritually. See, there's times when we wanna breathe in all our own junk or the junk from this world and we choose dishonesty, selfishness, we choose a self-centered life, we choose lust, we choose all these things that are basically spiritual carbon dioxide and it's not the oxygen that God has, has designed us to live in. It's not the spiritual oxygen that he has for us. His word, the principles of honesty, unselfishness, healthy desires, those are things that we need to be pursuing. And yeah, they may take some effort, but it's, it's, it's gonna be better for us and it's how we are designed to spiritually live. And so when we desire freedom, the, the spirit of freedom that we're after is found where the Lord is found. See, oftentimes we desire a freedom that simply does not exist. The freedom to do whatever we want, it's really not freedom. The real freedom we are designed for and the real freedom we will thrive in is under the Lordship of Christ. Now, what is Paul trying to say in this passage? First, he wants to remind us that in Romans 13, that Christ is our final authority. But he is also calling us to be good, wholesome citizens. And inconveniences, differences of, of opinion, or even the fact that governmental authority is immoral or sometimes not what we want, none of those things seem to give an out to the submission to those authorities. They don't give us a right to be criminals. It doesn't give us a right to be bad citizens. In fact, he says in 13 verse seven, it says, pay to what is owed, talks about the taxes. And then he says, give respect to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. Now, I can see the look on your face. You're like, yeah, but. And I, there was two questions that I assume would be in your mind because they're in my mind. What if, here's the first one, what if, or, or should the Christian submit to a government that is opposed to God? Should we do that? What if, what if the government leaders, the president, senators, congressmen and women, lawmakers, what if they are not Christians? What if they're actually writing law uh, and making things legal that are just wrong? What do we do then? D does that give us an excuse not to pay our taxes? Well, here's the historical context. Rome was the governing authority while Paul was writing this. And Rome was no Christian nation at this time. Um, it was an oppressive dictatorship. Most of the time it was ruled by either the worst people you can imagine or just outright lunatics. 
The empire was so large that Rome didn't have the army to both defend its external borders and keep peace within its own borders. It had conquered so much land and so much territory, and there's so many different people groups that were under their rule that the way that they used to maintain peace was basically two things. If, they, if you were a threat to them, they either paid you off or they crushed you with brute force. And they're economists, so they would most of the time just do whatever was cheaper, okay? And so if it was cheaper to pay you off, they would do that. If it was cheaper to pay with their own blood, they would do that. And when they would use brute force, they didn't just crush you, they made it an example out of you. In fact, one of the reasons why crucifixion, the cross that stands behind me, one of the reasons it was invented was not to crush or, or to execute people privately, it was to do so publicly as a deterrent for bad behavior. So if you murdered someone, they would crucify you, they'd say, hey, this guy's a murderer, and they would put you next to a main road near a main population center so that everyone who passed by would go, you know what, if I don't wanna be crucified, I better not kill somebody. Or more than that, it was like, don't revolt against Rome. Whatever the crime was, they used their brutality as a deterrent for bad behavior. Not a lot of human rights in that. And so the, the disciples were like, do we have to pay taxes to these guys? Jesus was like, yep. See, there's sometimes we wrestle with leadership that were like, we don't like that. Do I have to submit to that? We're gonna talk about when we don't here in the next question, but we are called to be good citizens. We are called to submit to the authority that God has placed over us. And there is a time when there are gonna be inconveniences to us, there's gonna be laws that we don't like, but if they don't violate our Christian conviction, we are called to honor them. And we're called to support them. We're called to abide by them. Now there was, uh, I already mentioned the tax law, but there was actually a second law that, I'll just be honest, if this is me, if I had to do this, I just hate it. But Jesus references it in Matthew 5, the, the Sermon on the Mount in verse 41. And he, he makes the, uh, just a, a simple statement, a one-liner, if you will. And he says, if anyone compels you to carry their pack, go the extra mile. And what he's referencing is a law that was, that was, it was just known throughout the Roman world that any Roman soldier at any time, if he got tired of carrying his pack, he could turn to any, any person that was standing around and he could say, hey you, I need you to carry my pack for the next mile down the road. So you would have to stop what you're doing, whatever you're doing with your family or work or whatever, you'd have to drop what you're doing and carry that pack for a mile and then walk all the way back to wherever, whatever you were doing. Anybody wanna, does that sound like fun? Jesus then goes and he says, if they ask you to carry it a mile, carry it too. <laughs> no, like, I mean, it's the last thing. Yeah, I might meet the, I'll meet the minimum requirement, but to go two miles, not on your life. Why is Jesus saying this? He's saying, I want you to hold to and abide by the laws so that when the governing authorities look at you, I want them to see me. 
I want them to see a person who is, who is kind and forgiving and compassionate because, and I'll be honest, there are people that I disagree with, but when they do it in a humble way, I'll listen. Somebody might be right, but if they do it in a divisive, critical, mean-spirited way, not probably gonna listen. And so if we want our voice to be heard as a church and as Christians, as best as we can, we should be the, the citizens that we are called to be. Remembering that God has instituted this government, our government for our good. Now, <clears throat> the next question. What should a Christian do if the government has a law that violates our Christian conviction? And this is more specific than what I just talked about. What I was talking about was laws that don't violate our Christian conviction. They're just inconvenient. But what do we do when the government or the governing authorities make something legal or hold us to something that it truly does violate our Christian conviction? First of all, I wanna give you three thoughts. First, we need to be careful to not conflate an inconvenience with our Christian conviction. So I didn't wanna pay the, the speeding ticket three or four years ago. Um, it would have been intellectually dishonest for me to say, you know what, um, as a Christian, I just feel like it's wrong to pay that fine. And I've prayed about it and God told me not to. So I'm not gonna pay it under my religious freedom. That would not have applied whatsoever. And so first of all, I would encourage you to, to, to make sure that you don't just conflate inconveniences or things you don't agree with, with true Christian conviction. Secondly, I wanna remind you that we do live in a blessed nation. We live in a great nation. We don't live in the Roman Empire. But even in the Roman Empire, there is a way to appeal. And in the United States of America, if there's something we do not like or we feel like violates our conviction, we can appeal that. And I know, many, I know many people just recently over the last year have wrote exemption letters concerning mandates to their employers and they followed that process. Some were granted, some were not. I'm not sure of all the, how that all is gonna shake out in the end, but I wanna remind you that if, when there are things that violate our Christian conviction, we have a, a legal and proper way to dispute those things. And that even applies to things that are inconvenient, okay? There are some, that even applies to things, I could have appealed the speeding ticket, but I don't just do it in a, in a violent, hateful way. I do it on a proper and a legal way. And so I wanna remind you that, that we have laws in this country that allow us to make our cases known in proper ways. And so I would encourage you to use those channels. But thirdly, if we do find ourselves in an impasse, where we as Christians are pushed into a corner where we have the choice of either obeying the law and, and violating our Christian conviction or you know, breaking the law or what have you, and, and it's in opposition to what God has called us to, we appeal to the higher authority. And I wanna remind us that we are not first citizens of the United States, we are first citizens of heaven. And the laws of heaven trump the laws of the United States. In fact, Paul writes in, in Philippians 3.20, it says, we are not citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of heaven. Now, I would love to go through all the issues and tell you what I think the law of heaven and how it applies to all the different things, but we don't have four more hours. So we'll have three minutes. 
And so here's what my goal is. I wanna give you a simple principle that I'm, I'm sure is not shocking to you. It probably could be the main key point for every single sermon ever preached. It's that broad. But sometimes our responsibility and our problem as followers of Christ is not figuring out what to do, it's, it's doing what we know we should do. And I wanna encourage you, the freedom that I talked about and the way that we're gonna navigate the, sometimes these confusing issues, it only comes through our submission with Christ. If we're not submitted to Christ, if he is not our Lord, if we have not experienced the freedom that I talked about, if we're not submitted to him first and foremost, then we're gonna be confused often about what to do when it comes to where the rubber meets the road. Because there are gonna be times and maybe not so distant future where there are gonna be things that we thought never would have happened in our country, but we're gonna be asked to do things as Christians that we're not comfortable with. But if we're not submitted to Christ in every other area in our life, we're gonna struggle with how to navigate that. Matthew 28, 18, I wanna remind you, Jesus said this, before he gave the great commission, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And then in Colossians 1, he says this, speaking of Jesus, it says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, including all those rulers, all those dominions, all those authorities, and in him, all things hold together. And so at the end of the day, Jesus Christ, he is sovereign. And I take great comfort. Proverbs 21 actually says this, the king's heart is like a river and he guides it wherever he pleases. And so no matter whether the, govern, the governing authority is a submitted Christ follower, which some are, or they're not, God is still sovereign. He is still guiding, he is still working, he is still in control. It's not like he's forgotten about anything or things have gotten outside of his purview or his ability. He is still in control. And as Christians, as long as we are submitted to his authority first, we're gonna be okay. That's where our hope is founded. But when it comes to what should I do, there's gonna be questions that aren't online in scripture. And our choice in these matters are gonna be the outflow of our submission to Christ. Who should I vote for? Ask Christ, <laughs> ask him, don't ask me. Who should I, or, or, or should I have that conversation with my boss? Take it before the Lord. Should I go to that event or a function? Ask Christ. Should I post my opinion on Facebook? Ask Jesus. Should I write that appeal letter? Should I write that exemption letter? What should I do? Pray about it, ask Christ. Should I make that speech in front of the school board and get on national news? Somebody said no. Ask Jesus first, but he might tell you no, okay? Should I donate my money to that organization? Ask Jesus. Should I take that stand publicly? Ask Christ. See, all of this needs to come out of our submission to the Lord. And the Bible promises that when we stand before the authorities and we don't know what to say or we don't know what to do, he's gonna fill our mouth. He's gonna tell us in that moment. See, we're, we're probably going to make mistakes along the way. We're probably not gonna do everything perfect. We're probably gonna mess it up sometimes. 
I know I have. And God is probably going to get the blame for a lot of things he had nothing to do with. Well, I prayed about it and he told me to post it. So he probably had nothing to do with that, probably, I don't know. But here's the point. It's not about our perfection or our performance. At the end of our time here on earth, if our heart's motive was to submit to the Lordship of Christ, it's a win-win. He's not gonna stand up there and go, well, you had three here that got wrong, five you got right, you barely squeaked in, good job. No. He's gonna be like, no, I knew you. Your heart was submitted to me. You submitted to my word. You submitted to my wisdom. You submitted to my kindness. You had the best life possible. And I promise you, it's not just gonna be good. You're probably gonna be blessed. In fact, I know that. I know Christ is gonna bless you. He's gonna walk with you through those confusing times because, not because of your performance, not because you said or did the right thing, but because you were submitted to him. I hope that's encouraging to you. Let's stand and I'm gonna pray and ask God to go with us uh, for the rest of this week. God, you are a good father. And there's so many things I could have said, wanted to say, but Lord, I, I trust that you would make up the difference in what I've tried to communicate today. Lord, I, I really do believe that if we are submitted to you, we will have clarity and knowing how we should live under the authorities that you have instituted. There are gonna be times where we need to submit and we need to adhere and we need to support. Lord, there are gonna be times that maybe like Daniel or the, or the disciples when they were hauled into the courts and they were told to stop praying and stop talking about Jesus, they resisted that. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom in the moments on when to stand firm but God, first and foremost, may we be submitted to you. And I really believe that's the key to this entire issue. If we're submitted to you, everything else will fall into place. Lord, we trust you. I thank you that all authority is under your lordship. God, I pray that the people in, in this room, myself included, we would be submitted to you. I pray for our government, our leaders. I pray that you would guide their hearts. Lord, we trust your sovereignty today and we look forward to the future. We have hope for it because we know you're in control. We thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen. As you go, just a reminder um, out in the corridor, uh, Scott Billings and the team are there with Boise Church, Boise uh, Church. And if you wanna follow them online, it's boise.church or Instagram. And uh, they would love to talk with you. Pray for them, encourage them. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you next week.